I left off talking about Nehemiah. I love teaching on Nehemiah. I've taught about him uh, mostly to pastors and leaders and future leaders. But Nehemiah, everything about that book, uh, has, it pertains to you. And so um, I want you to understand that Nehemiah, remember, he had favor with the king. And in order to have favor with people, really God's favor, that first you have to have favor with God and favor with man. And so Samuel had it. Samuel had favor with God and favor with man. Why did he have it? Well, yes, he was appointed to do what he was appointed to do. But one of the things we found out about Samuel was he didn't let one word God say drop to the ground. In other words, the written word of God, you and I have to be doers of it and not hearers only. And when God speaks to our hearts and we get perceptions and we get knowings, we have to follow them. Hallelujah. Um, it's important. And I know that even with me, uh, the Holy Ghost uh, is trying to help me again with some things. And anytime you get uh, the Holy Ghost helping you, uh, one reason is because I'm teaching it in the school of ministry, but there's something else. I believe when the Holy Ghost starts dealing with you about natural things, he's trying to tune you up. In other words, you're coming home and you're like, uh, um, uh, uh, milk and the bread are going to be gone. Get you some today. And you got yours two days before everybody else. Uh, uh, go a different way home. And then you get home and turn on the news and you'd have been in, in, uh, on 565 for an hour because something happened to somebody. Or you missed a wreck. The Holy Ghost uses natural things that pertain to you. It will help you get out of some difficulties, but it's really to get you ready for something bigger. All the time, he's wanting to show you things. Come on, the Lord shows you things to come. John 16, 13 said he'd show you things to come. Well, the reason that God gave Samuel so much favor, he had favor with God, he had favor with man, because he didn't let the word of the Lord drop to the ground. And at that time, the Bible says the word of the Lord was precious. Now, for you and I, it's every day. Don't just um, disdain it. Don't despise it. Don't think little of it. We need to pay attention to it. Now, how many know that Jesus, he had favor with God and man? And I've just thought about this a lot. I'm like, well, why Jesus, the son of God, why did he need favor with God and man? Well, obviously he did. And his favor with God turned into favor with man, meaning that he was able to share with people. They were willing to follow him. They were willing to let him use a boat before he was well known. They, they, they were willing to follow him into a desert. They were willing to uh, go without food to hear him. He had favor with God, and that translated to favor with man. Now, the thing about it is, you and I have this favor. It's not a different, listen, you don't have different favor than Jesus did. You don't have different favor than Samuel did. It's just favor. And you have favor with God and you have favor with man. And God, the Holy Ghost, needs you to believe that right now. Because, and remember, when we talk about favor, it's not just coming out with silver and gold and none sick or feeble among them. The overarching thing the Lord is giving us is we're like Esther. We're like Joseph. We're like Moses. We're here on a mission. Every one of you have a mission to accomplish. Every one of you, according to Ephesians 2.10, God has prearranged, predestined something for you to do for God. It should be this way. Now, Pastor Ron and I teach this a little different, but this way, I 
I believe, number one, that God should be number one in your life. Number two should be what you do for God. And when you do it that way, you won't get the family stuff out of order if it's really God. But I don't mind hearing that your wife and your children are second and third, but right behind that is that, because we understand one another. I just teach it this way because I believe there's so many people in the body of Christ, they put what God has asked them to do last. And around here, your career, your business should be about fifth, not number one. Your hobbies, what you have your children in, should be way down the list. Amen. What you do for God, what he's assigned you to do, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Because that has everything to do with favor. If you and I aren't doing it, it's not just for preachers. Y'all expect me to obey God, right? No, some of you don't? Okay, good. Um, but I expect you to obey God. God expects you to obey him. You have something to do. And a lot of it has to do with your career. A lot of it has to do with your business. Just even that word of knowledge. He actually cares where you're at, what you're doing. He actually cares. He has a plan. Amen. Yeah, even you engineers. Hallelujah. He has a, a, a plan. So how do we get that plan? Well, just a reminder. Uh, what did Nehemiah do? Well, two things. I wanted to remind you again that Hananiah was who? Do y'all remember Hananiah? We talked about him last week. Who was Hananiah? That was Nehemiah's brother. Y'all remember? Hallelujah. Was it two weeks? It's been a while. Yeah, two weeks ago. So I, I, I'll give you that. Uh, so, everybody say, so Hananiah was Nehemiah's brother. Hananiah is the one that brought him the report. So a lot of times, you don't get to decide, not a lot of times, you don't get to decide who you are. I know as parents, we love to tell our children, baby, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. Don't do that. You start from the time they're infants and you tell them they're going to be what God has called them to be. Because when they were in the mother's womb, God had a plan for them. And that's why people have midlife crises is because they never figure out what God told them to do. And they trade in their wife for 220s, my wife says. Or they try to get a different career. Or they're doing this or they're buying a Corvette. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But, but they're trying to do something because they're trying to figure out in the middle of their life, why am I not satisfied? Because you can only be satisfied in God. And he has something for you to do. And so why I'm bringing this up is Hananiah is the one who brought in the report. If he knew that the walls were burnt down and if he had this so strong in his heart, why didn't God just use him? But instead, Hananiah went to his brother who had a good job working for the king. And he told him, and then the spirit of God came on Nehemiah. And then Nehemiah wept and he prayed and he fasted. And then the Bible says he's the one that had favor with the king. Listen, you and I don't get to decide who we are and what we do. So many times, especially in our circles, people are going around confessing. Well, he'll bless whatever I put my hand to. He will not bless whatever you put your hand to. He'll bless whatever, he, he, whatever you put your hand to that he told you to do. And you better know where you're supposed to come in and go out. That's how you get to know whether you're the head or the tail or not. It's called obedience. Yes. Praise the Lord. That's a good word, obedience. Yeah. 
Jesus is Lord. Amen. We're going to get to some good stuff. So Hananiah came. And remember that Nehemiah went, and we're going to look at him some more today, but he, he, he had a vision, he prayed, he had favor, he rebuilt the place. But I wanted to tell you this, then at the very end, you see in chapter 7 that Hananiah is now the governor, the leader of Jerusalem, of the children of Israel. It would have never happened if he hadn't done his small part at the beginning, just bringing a report. And because he brought the report in obedience, then the favor of God came on his brother. Now, come on, you got to think about this. This is, these are brothers. I don't know if y'all got any brothers and sisters, but we don't often root for them maybe like we ought to. Well, why are you, why are you using them? Why, why, what's so good about them? What, what am I, chopped liver? You don't think I can do it, God? But there's no proof of that with Hananiah. He just helped his brother. He was there, and when it was all rebuilt... When the word of the Lord was read again aloud, when the people understood it, remember, uh, they, they had, remember, they were even weeping over it, and that's where we get our Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Remember, joy came back into the city because the word of the Lord was read, and then Nehemiah said, here you go, bro. Now God's appointed you to govern this place. Everybody in their place, everybody in their grace, everybody doing, but all with the divine favor and plan and purpose of God. Amen? Hallelujah. How do you get that? Number one, you got to pray. Number two, you got to be led by the Spirit of God. Uh, you got to speak the word. The Bible says the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And then as you do that, then you're going to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Well, today what I want to talk to you about, I thought, I thought you were already talking. Well, that's just review. Uh, I, today what I talk to you about is we're going to look in the book of Nehemiah again because Nehemiah had favor with God. Nehemiah had favor with man. Um, when the Lord just began to deal with me about this, ministering this to you, um, I'm just one of the great phrases I use, and I use it to a lot of people, is when you begin to do your work, remember Nehemiah was, he was rebuilding walls. And remember one of the time when the enemy came, uh, they tried to get him out of place, tried to get him doing something else. What did he say? He said he was up on the wall and he looked down on them. The enemy was trying to get him out of place. And he said, I am doing a great work and I will not come down. See, how do you know if you're doing a great work? If you're just going through life doing what you want to do and you've never checked in with headquarters, then when the enemy comes and when opposition comes, you're not going to be able to look down and say, I'm doing a great work and I will not come down. Because, see, then you don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You don't know if it's the will of God. Because, see, when opposition comes, and it will come, you have to know you're in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Are you with me? You have to know. Uh, well, why is there so much opposition? Because there's so much devil. <laughs> Even though Jesus destroyed him. And we're going to look at this. See, Nehemiah had favor with God. He had favor with the king. Remember, he's walking with papers. Uh, he's walking with a, a military escort. He's using the best of the land. And yet, he's in, and he's in the perfect will of God. Sometimes people in word of faith circles, our circles, uh, you know, they say all the time, well, if you'll just obey God, you'll never have any problems. That is not true. Well, if you do everything just right, 
If who? If you? If you, you're so powerful? If you do everything just right? No, it's about believing God. And opposition will come. Come on, am I talking to the right people? I mean, just like Jesus told them to go to the other side and suddenly a storm came up. They were really, in, they were in the middle of the will of God. You cannot judge whether you're in the will of God or not by if everything's perfect. I'm going to sell my house and if it sells in three days, I'll know it's the will of God. No, it's a hot market. You do not base anything based on natural circumstances. Those are called fleeces. Praise the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. Well, this is just one service. We can stay here all day, right? Okay. All right. So um, I'm feeling very relaxed like a saturation meeting. Anyway, um, but let's look at Nehemiah because we're going to look at something and to not look at it would be foolish. Nehemiah, anointed of God, graced of God, favor of God, doing exactly what God told him, yet there was opposition. There was great opposition. He had a lot of things to deal with. So we're going to pick it up in Nehemiah chapter 2. Um, verse 18 says that the hand of God was good on me. And, he was, and let's just read uh, Nehemiah 2.18. Um, then I told them, telling the people in Jerusalem, the hand of my God was good on me. Is the hand of God good on you? Yeah. Come on, is the hand of God on, in you, on you? Amen. All, as also the king's um, words that he had spoken unto me. So he said, I've got God on my side. I've got the king on my side. And they said, let us, and they said, the people began to say, let us rise up and build. Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But, this is not a good but. But, verse 19, when Sanballat and Hornotite and Tobiah the servant, the Amorite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you will do? Will you rebel against the king? So immediately when the people there in Jerusalem were like, let's rise up and build. There was an opposition. These people controlled the city. These people controlled Jerusalem. They're the reasons the walls are burnt down. And so this group of interesting people, Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, uh, when they heard all this, they began to scorn them. Listen, when you step out for God, you're going to have an enemy in your ear. An enemy in your ear telling you, you can't do this. You're not qualified to do this. This is not going to work out. And you got to know when it comes from the outside to your mind, that is the devil. Because on the inside of you will be, I told you you could do this. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. Uh, if I open a door for you, no man can shut it. The Holy Ghost on the inside is going to bring encouragement. And then you're going to have to really surround yourself with people that also know how to encourage you. But I like this. Remember, one of the things I say to you all the time is, never let the devil have the last word. Now here, this enemy is a representation, the old covenant, of our enemy, the devil. And how many of you know the devil's always, he's always trying. He uses people. A lot of times if he wants to hurt you the worst, he'll use people that you know and somewhat trust. Because you and I don't care much about what a stranger thinks. 
So, you know, just be careful that you're not the one bringing doubt and discouragement to people. Amen. Come on, so encouragement. Hallelujah. Anyway, so here, here he is. And, and uh, so they're telling him it's not going to work. But remember when Jesus passed the fig tree and it didn't have fruit on it, he answered it. You've always got to answer circumstances. You've got to answer. You've got to answer. You've got to answer it. And when you answer it, this looks like what it looks like. Verse 20. Now here he's answering people, but he said, then I answered them. And I said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Because they said, um, they laughed us and they despised us, belittled them. Uh, it's like being in junior high all over again. And they said, why are you rebel? The very thing that he made sure that he did. Listen to me. Sometimes the very thing that you are the best at is what the devil comes for. Like if you have a lot of honor and integrity, the devil will rise up something or somebody to question your honor and integrity. Because he wants to get you at the very thing that you think you're doing really well. And so, remember, he went to great lengths to get the king's approval. He's got letters, and the very thing they're going to use to attack him is, you're here to rebel against the king. And he, 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 he answered and said, uh, God's going to prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. And guess what? You don't have any portion. You don't have any right. You don't have any memorial. In other words, we're going to kick you all out. You're done here. Come on, let's kick the enemy out of our lives. But you got to answer it. You got to answer it. Amen. And so then, you know, um, they begin. To, we're not going to look at chapter three. I love chapter three, and we may look at it later. But chapter four, then it begins to talk about some things. We're going to pick up in um, um, uh, verse one, chapter four, verse one. But it came to pass, and when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, so verse chapter three is about them. Everybody taking the. It's like oh, I can't go past it. Uh, every portion of people, each one took a wall or a gate. And all these different people came together and they built it all at once. And they were different kinds of people and, and different ways of doing it. But they all came together and they got this thing built. And so it came to pass when Sanballat heard that we built the wall, he was wroth, took great indignation, and he mocked the Jews. Man, I just hate to be around. I hate to hear people mock people. It's so ungodly. It's disgusting and disdainful. Mocking people. It's what the devil does. He is the mocker in chief. And I don't like to be around people who mock people, make fun of people, make light of people. It's disdainful to God. And so that's what he was doing because it's the enemy. He was wroth. He, he was indignant and he mocked the Jews. And then he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews? He belittles them. Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Now he's making fun of what they do with God. Um, will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? And now Tobiah the Amorite was with him and he said, even if they get it done, a little fox is going to go up and that little fox is going to break down that wall. So even if they did it, it's nothing. Come on, the devil's going to lie to you and tell you what you do is insignificant. 
The person that you reach out for and pray for at Walmart or Kroger, oh, that didn't make any difference. Your neighbor that you talk to, somebody that you had on your heart and you call, oh, it's not going to make any difference. It makes a great difference if it comes from God, no matter how big or little that it is. Because it came from the Lord. In other words, I'm not going to let one word, one leading from God fall to the ground. That is how you build a wall. That is how you obey God. You do it one leading, one word at a time. And so here, they were the devil, when, when, people, when people of God begin to obey God, the devil gets really nervous. He's nervous right now with you all. Because if they really start to believe that this is a year of profuse favor, that it's really going to be double jubilee all the time, that they're really going to go out and get people born again, they're really going to take them by the hand and bring them to church and make sure they get discipled. The devil is very nervous with you right now. And so what he'll do is he'll begin to individually attack you, especially if you begin to step out. But you've got to be like, you got to be like uh, Nehemiah and you've got to answer it. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening. It really is. Quickening and making alive my mortal body right now. Hallelujah. So, verse 4, they heard him say that, and he did what? He answered it. Hear, our, hear O our God. So, so he answered it this way, now to God. We would call that a confession. For we are despised and turn their reproach on their own head. Uh-oh. Now we're supposed to pray for those who despitefully use us. Cover not their iniquity. Let their sin be blotted out before thee. For they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. He, I want you to see he answered it. He answered it. Everybody say answer it. Hallelujah. Um, verse 11. Well, let's back up. Verse 10. Because, see, the reports from other people start to mess with you. You know, people ask us all the time, I'm going to the doctor, and I need you to pray for a good report. And I try to be as nice as possible, but I'm not doing it. Well, Pastor, why not? Because reports come and reports go. And if you get a bad report, are you going to be devastated after we prayed for a good report? Everybody listen to me. Real faith doesn't care what a report is. You have a report. You have a report. Well, the economy is going to turn and I'm concerned. You have a report. He became poor so you could become rich. He supplies all your needs according to his riches. and That is your report. Well, I need you to believe God with me for a good report. I don't have to believe God with you for a good report. You've got a good report. And if you're moved by reports in a bad way, even in a good way, then your faith is in what a man can do. Be careful, everyone. Hallelujah. Where are we? They said in verse 10, 
Judah said, the strength of the bearers of the burden is decayed. So they're like, everybody's tired. Tired. They're bearers of the burden. There's so much trash. There's too much. You expect us to dig all the rocks out of all that trash. It's just too much trash. We just can't do it. We just can't do it. And then the adversaries, verse 11 said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the midst of them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And then they begin to hear rumors that the enemy was plotting against them and they were going to do a surprise attack and they're going to wipe them all out. But I want you to notice, though, the enemy was after the wall because the wall would change everything. The wall was going to cause the word of God to come forth again. The wall was going to cause unity. The wall was going to cause Judah and Israel to rise again. And the enemy, even though it was natural, inspired by the real enemy, didn't want it to happen. Verse 12, and it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt in them came, they said unto us ten times, from all places whence you shall return unto, they will be upon you. So these Jews came in and ten times, ten different occasions, they're going to get you. They're going to sneak up on you. No matter where you go, they're going to be hiding around the corner. They're going to get you. Devil's going to get you. It's going to get you. That's how the enemy works. Listen to me. I get it. I understand it. When the enemy attacks your mind, he doesn't do it just once. He does it over and over again. And listen to me, everybody in the room. When those constant attacks comes, that's the devil's trying to give you, put a stronghold in your mind. He's trying to give you a pattern of thinking that will uh, cause your faith not to work. But any times, those 10 times, that con- listen, and, and if the devil's accusing a brother, a sister, or some institution against you, you better realize it's the devil and it's coming to your mind. And if you'll listen to your heart, the Holy Ghost will tell you what to do. The Lord never warns you out here. He warns you in here. And when he warns you in here, he always gives you a solution. There's always a solution. Hallelujah. Ten times. And they're going to get you. And so I'm not going to take the time tonight, today, to tell you. See, I feel like I'm in a saturation meeting. I'm, I, I'm not going to take the time to tell you all they did. But remember, you know, they gave, so God gave them a plan. I guess I am going to tell you. God gave them a plan. So half of them would guard and half of them would work. And those that were actually doing the wall, they had a spear in one hand and what do you call that thing? A trail? I don't know. Whatever. A trowel? A trail is what you walk on, right? See, y'all know I ain't handy. Hallelujah. Um, So they were doing it at, come on, that's, that's a picture of us. Come on, you never put down your sword of the spirit. And yet there's work and there's an assignment to do. Why does the devil want them to turn away from the wall? Because once it's built, the enemy is done there. Your life, once it's built upon the rock, once you're a doer of the word, once you find your place in God, once you give it your all, once Jesus is Lord, the devil's done. 
He may try to attack you. You know, I'm not saying, you know, he may never completely go away. Even Jesus himself, you know, the devil came and tempted him and he left for a season. But we need to be like Jesus and said, uh, I don't care when he comes, he's not going to find anything in me. Amen. All right. So this is what's going on. All right. So we have to understand that the enemy works this way. And I want to remind you of some things just real quick. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, do not be ignorant of the devil's devices. And so this is a show, this is a type of how the devil comes. He constantly bombards you 10 times. And this was 10 times for people who ought to have been on their side. And yes, the real enemy leaked that out. And, and sent it out and saying, y'all better watch out. We're going to be hiding behind the bushes and we're going to get you. And if you get it done, a fox is going to stand on it and tear it down. You bunch of losers. I don't know what you think you're doing. You're a cupbearer to the king. What makes you a master builder? Why was the enemy, even the natural? Because these people were in disarray. They were even fighting amongst themselves. I mean, there's so much that Nehemiah, it's like modern day stuff. If I'd make this into a movie, you'd all think it was today. I'm telling you the same thing the devil did here through these natural enemies is what he's trying to do to you. But you've got something to do for God. Amen. And your life is valuable. And on your career, listen to me, everybody listen. Your career, your business, your family is very important to God. But it's not just a separate thing from God. Everything has to be together. Your business is God's. Your career is God's. How you raise your family, what you do, where you live, where you go, where you don't go. Uh, where you go to church, where you don't go to church, that's all up to him. Amen. It's not really up to you. It's up to you to hear from him and do it. And understand that when you're in the middle of the will of God, there is favor. There is Elijah's provision. The ravens will bring you bread and meat. Glory. Hallelujah. Even if a widow woman has to take care of you, who's about ready to, you know, uh, make a cake and die, God can do it, but you've got to know his voice. You've got to know where you're supposed to be. Nehemiah was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing. Hananiah, his brother, even though he wasn't predominant, he did his part. He was in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, helping his brother get it done. So that when it was done, he could then walk into his grace and his anointing. I'm telling you, though, the enemy is going to work morning, noon, and night. Well, Pastor, I don't want to talk about the devil. Well, he has to be talked about. Jesus defeated him, and he destroyed him. Colossians 2.15 says. Ephesians 1 says that we were raised up. Uh, Jesus was raised up far above principality, power, might, dominion, every name. Ephesians 2.6 says we were raised up together with him. And the whole reason on Wednesday nights that I'm talking about the armor of God, besides it's in the book of Ephesians, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And my favorite author who is coming here next Sunday, my favorite book ever, Dressed to Kill, changed my life. Because even though the devil's defeated, the reason I have an armor is because I got to fight. And it's the good fight of faith. If you let the devil run over you and you don't answer him, then you're going to be in trouble. I'm going to be in trouble. 
You got to answer him. How do you answer him? With the word of God, just like Jesus did. That's what Nehemiah did. But you can't be ignorant of the devil's devices. Because stuff like this, you know, well, I just believe whatever's meant to be is meant to be. I know none of you in any section of this room believes that way. Well, I'm hearing some squabbling out there. Well, I just believe. Well, number one, you just believe something that's not in the word, especially in the epistles. Because there's a God side and a man side. And when God opens a door, no man can shut it, but you still got to walk through that door. And when God shuts a door, no man can open it, whether you throw a temper tantrum for three hours, three days, three weeks, or 30 years, it's not opening. And you might as well wipe your tears, say, okay, this one's closed, Lord. There's an open door somewhere. I'm willing to, ro- I'm willing to crawl through a window. I just got to find your open door. But there, there's an enemy, and, you, and you, you and I got to understand it. But I just believe whatever's meant to be is meant to be. That's, that's teaching that you're not going to find consistent with the word of God. Yes, God is sovereign in this way, that he is keeper of his word, and he sovereignly keeps his word. But you have a will, and when he gives you an assignment, you have to do it, and the enemy is always going to try to get you out of the will of God. And you've got to learn to answer him. And you and I are not ignorant. Everybody say, I'm not ignorant of the devil's devices. You must be careful because sometimes even the closest around you, knowingly or unknowingly, will push you out of my will, says the Lord. In case you don't know, a tongue and interpretation, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Holy Ghost wanted to say something that maybe I wasn't brave enough to quite get out just right. Yeah? Even sometimes people we love the most, if they disagree with what God said, and sometimes love is not really love. It's selfish because it's about them. I don't want you to obey God. Because it's going to cause you not to be where I can get to you all the time. I don't want you to obey God and open your own business because it's going to cause us to have to tighten our belt for a couple years. I want you to keep working a job that you hate and bring home the bacon so I can fry it up in a pan. But listen, the will of God is the best place. And when you're in the will of God, when the enemy comes, Nehemiah knew. Because remember what I said to you. He was up on the wall. And the devil, the, the devil, uh, the, he, these guys came. And they were trying to reason with him. And they kept coming. And he answered them back from up here. What, what is that? You're seated in heavenly places. 
You just need to sit down in Christ. There's a table in the very presence of your enemies. And you, but you've got to be seated. And when you're seated in heavenly places, that's just like him saying, I'm up on this wall. And he's looking down and he said, I'm doing a great work. In other words, I'm obeying God. I don't care what you say, what you do. I am not coming down. You're not going to get me out of my place. What they want him to come down for? To reason. To get into reason. Come on, the devil would. Listen, I know y'all are smart. I know I live in one of the smartest areas in the nation. But if the devil can get you in reason, and all you do is reason everything out, you will be defeated. Because faith is of the heart. And God communicates with your heart. Yes, you need to renew your mind. But you can't believe God with a renewed mind. You believe him with your heart. It's, it's easy when you're, easier when your, your mind is, is in agreement with you. We're going a lot of places today. Hallelujah. So this is the deal. Everybody say, I am not ignorant of the devil's devices. What does the devil do? Just like he did here, Jesus said it. The thief comes to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Anything that steals, kills, or destroys is not from the Lord because Jesus said, I've come to give you zoe, the God kind and quality of life, to the abundance to it overflows. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. And then he told us in 1 Peter 5, 8, to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Well, you know, people say, well, he's a toothless lion. He is. But his roar is enough to send some people running. Now, listen, you know, the deal, he's as a roaring lion. He roars because he's trying to, what? That's domain. That's dominion. When, when the lion roars that this is my territory, this is my game, this is my land, get off it. And so when the devil roars, you better roar back. Everybody say, answer it. Answer him. Woo, hallelujah. So um, let's, look, let's keep going. Uh, let's bump up a little bit. We were down there, but let's look up... Um, uh, let's look at verse 7. It came to pass, and when Sambal and Tobiah and the, uh, and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that, they bre- and that the breaches began to be stopped, they were very wroth. In other words, it's almost done. Now they're plugging all the holes. And they conspired on all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Nevertheless... We made our prayer unto God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. So what did they do when the enemy came? They prayed. What happens when you pray? God will give you a strategy. Come on, you know, I love this. And, if you know, um, I didn't grow up in Pentecost. Pastor Rhonda did. But I don't know if you've ever been part of a Jericho march. Have you ever been part of a Jericho march? Now, I know back in the day everybody wanted to do Jericho marches. But really there was only one Jericho march. That was the strategy for the day. Did they ever do that again? Yet we want to copy it because it worked once. Praise the Lord. Uh, Taxes are due in April. Are you going to go fishing? 
Well, if he did it for Peter, he'll do it for me. Jesus, he's doing it all again. He's doing it all again. You're going to be pulling up catfish forever, brother. And that might be some good eats. With some hush puppies. And some slaw. Got to have tartar sauce. Anyway, but there's probably not going to be any coins. That was a one-time deal. That was a one-time strategy. Guess what? You can pray and get your strategy. Because he knows everything. Well, I wish he'd tell me. Well, he tells you in his word, but he'll speak to your heart. He knows what to do. Your business, what you're in, is changing. But you can stay on the edge if you'll listen to the Holy Ghost. He can tell you what to get rid of. He can tell you what to add. He can tell you how to do it different. He is the Holy Ghost, and he does know the future. All right? So that's what on. Look at verse 14. Um, we'll look at verse, we'll run into it. Uh, verse 13. Therefore he said, I, in the lower places and the wall on the higher places, I set the people after their families with swords and spears and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not afraid. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemy heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to nothing. Because you remember in Acts, remember when Peter and John went to the gate called Beautiful? He said, silver and gold have I none, such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up. Remember the man leaped and jumped. And remember the people got, the, the, the council, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees got mad. And they said, we forbid you to speak anymore in that name, Jesus. You remember that? And they all got together and prayed. And they said, Lord, give us more power to speak in the name of your holy child, Jesus. Right? Right? And remember one wise guy, I don't remember his name, if they give a name, but he was dealing with these religious people, and this is what he said to them. If this thing be of God, you can't stop it. If it's not of God, it'll come to nothing. And that's true with our lives. That's true with our lives. Come on, that's why you got to know you all love God. You're here. It's cold outside. There's some ice out there. Ooh, there's, some, there's an ice rink over there. We could play a hockey game. You're here. I know you love God. Jesus said, if you love me, you do what I say. Right? If you love me, you do what I say. That's not just the written word. That's what he tells you personally. Well, he doesn't ever tell me anything personally. You are so wrong. You're not listening. You're not being guided. If the Lord can't tell you what to do, where to go, how to do it, you've you, you got to know that he, he wants to. You've closed him off in an area. But that's not his fault. That's our fault. 
I was, uh, I, this is really kind of big on my heart. I'll just, uh, in my school of ministry class, I was going to confess to them tonight. Um, I think it was Monday, you know, or when was it? I was going home out of the office here. And on the inside of me, I heard turn right. Because, you know, the new road, they'll take you down and around. And I was like, that's so much longer. So you know what I did? I turned left. Okay. And then I turned right going home. And then when I got up there, there's one of them parked trains. Not the one that's going fast, the one that stays there for 45 minutes. And so then I got caught. And I finally made it up to where you can turn across, you know, into the new apartments. And then I got out, and then I got on um, the other road, the other main road. What is that? Hughes. And the Holy Ghost said to me, get in the second lane. But the first lane was moving faster. So I stayed in the first lane. And then I got up, and there's this car that was sideways in the first lane, and everybody in the second lane kept going and going and going. Now, if you know me, if my wife would have been with me, she'd have laughed because there's a lot of things that I disdain, but sitting in traffic is number one. And so what am I telling you this for? The Holy Ghost will train you with natural stuff. I don't want to miss the big stuff. I learned some lessons. Hallelujah. But I'm telling you, he'll deal with you with those kind of stuff. And he'll use them to train you. So the Lord never does that with me. Then ask him to. And it's probably that he's tried to, but you just won't listen. The Lord can tell you what to do. And it should be on a very regular basis. And it's going to start with natural things. It's important. I said it's important. I want to get to this before we go. He said, don't be afraid. We're living in a time when fear is a predominant thing. And most people are using it to motivate people. Fear. Fear on your left, fear on your right. Fear those people. Fear this, fear that. But you got to understand, fear is a terrible motivator. Once you allow fear to motivate you, you have moved on the devil's turf and on his territory. Like faith is to God, fear is to the devil. That's why God said to you and me, God has not given you a spirit of fear. And let's just pull Rick Renner back up again. But God's given you, he's not given, everybody say, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Say, I'm not motivated by fear. I'm not responding fear. No. But power and love and a sound mind. Remember the second group, Joshua and his bunch, Joshua and Caleb. Why didn't the first group go into the promised land? Because of fear. God gave it to them. God promised it to them. But what was their report? There are giants. There are walled cities. 
The land will even eat you. And that fear caused the multitude to rebel against God. Well, Pastor Mark, we need to be aware of things, but you can't be motivated by fear. Fear is of the devil. It's his currency. Remember, God told Joshua over and over again, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. Why? Because the first group, nothing had changed in the promised land. There's still giants. There's still walled cities. And the land will still potentially eat you. What had changed? The people that Joshua and Caleb got ready, they got the fear out of them. And he just reminded them one more time, be not afraid. Be not afraid. Come on, the Lord will never leave you or forsake you. Be not afraid. God's not giving you a spirit of fear. The Bible says perfect love will cast out all fear. Listen, when you figure out how much God loves you, you won't be afraid anymore. No, when you really figure out how much God loves you, you won't be afraid anymore. And when you're not in fear, things will begin to change. Ever say, I'm not afraid. Hallelujah. We can finish it. We can complete it. God's opening some doors for some of y'all. Some good things are happening in 2024. And you're going to walk right through them. And you and I are not going to be afraid. We're going to be like Nehemiah. We're going to get on our wall. And we're going to look at the devil down at him and say, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. And no matter if he comes 10 times in one hour, no matter who he sends to tell us you can't do it, no matter what we feel like, come on, we got to let go. Well, my mama said, well, forgive her and move on. My sister said, well, forgive her and move on. My last boss, he told me that I would never forgive him and move on. Don't let their words have any power over you anymore. Because God's word is what has power over you now. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. Jesus came and he died on the cross. He took your sin, your guilt, your shame. He became poor so you could become rich. He became sin so that you could become righteous. He did all that. But one of the other things he did was he came to destroy the works of the devil in your life. Come on, Nehemiah is a type. The enemy tried and tried and tried. Because once that wall is built, it's over. Come on, once you find the will and the plan of God for your life and you really walk in, I'm not saying you'll never have any problems. I'm not saying you're not going to have to forgive a thousand people along the way. I'm not saying that it's going to be just all easy all the time. But you're... Come on, it's, it's much easier in the will of God. I'll throw that in, yeah. I mean, he, I believe David was destined, destined to fight Goliath. 
So I don't believe we should have to fight. Oh, you're going to have to fight. But it's a good fight of faith. And when you win, and you will, because it's a good fight. Come on. <laughs> That's why they all showed up at the cave of Adullam. They didn't want to follow David. They wanted to follow a giant killer. Jesus is the giant killer. And no matter what's going on in your life, no matter who comes to be negative or tell you you can't do, you are favored of God. You are favored with man. You have a plan for your life. It may not be to rebuild a city. It may not be to build an orphanage. But, it, but there's something for you to do where you're at. And you've got to understand the only way to get to it, though, is to be born again. Make sure you and I are walking with Jesus on a regular basis. When Jesus was on the cross, one of the things he did was destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8 says the Son of God was manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. You can see in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, that Jesus, he said he came to preach the good news to the poor. He destroyed poverty. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He, he, he destroyed the devil having power over your emotions anymore. He came to open the eyes of the blind. That there is not talking about physical, but it is talking about you don't have to wander through life anymore. You can actually know where you're going and know how how to get there. He came to preach deliverance to the captives. You don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be depressed anymore. You can be joyful and you can finish your course with joy and you can rebuild the walls and you can get everything right in your life. You can have a blessed, prosperous career, business, your family good, everything good, all because of Jesus. And then at the same time, he wants you, verse 19, the acceptable year of the Lord or jubilee. He wants to bless you coming in and bless you going out. He does want to bless everything that he told you to do, everything you put your hand to that he told you to do. He'll bless you. But it starts with a surrendered life. Obedience. Everybody say, I'll obey. I'll obey. 